Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us at the Greeners Podcast, where we bring you the hottest stories in relation to health and healthcare. My name is Amy. And my name is Sarah. And we are your hosts. So, Sarah, what are we talking about today? Well, if you've been paying attention to the news at all, um, earlier in January, nurses in New York City went on strike. This is a huge, huge deal. I think this is something that's been a long time coming. And today in this episode, we're really going to break it down and, you know, offer our thoughts of what we think and really just talk about what it means to be on strike and what we think the outcome is going to be um, moving forward. Yeah, so more than 7,000 nurses at two New York City hospitals ended the three-day strike and returned to work uh, last week, Thursday, after they resolved what they said was a major sticking point in negotiations with the hospital. Too few nurses. And here's specifically what they wanted. They wanted management to increase hiring to relieve on-the-job stress. They wanted hospitals to agree to pay penalties to nurses who work under staff shifts. Like, how right, awesome right, would that right. be? Yeah. Um, Mount Sinai, and specifically, had... 100 or sorry 500 nursing positions they wanted filled and um, the union that actually led this was the New York Nurses Association which represents 42,000 members they had reached tentative agreements offering the same 19% pay hikes to a whole bunch of other New York hospitals which avoided strikes by about 9,000 other nurses that were spread across seven other hospitals in the city but what they hadn't done was come to an agreement um, specifically at Mount Sinai and Mount Fury Hospital. And that's really what led to this strike. Yeah. And again, the main issue, staffing. Like I think staffing crisis and this whole shortage is something that's universal. It happens to nurses here in Canada as well. Mm-hmm. And we're just hearing these stories all over and over and again. And, you know, we're seeing these cr- these raising numbers of ratios. And I think that's like the biggest part where we're concerned about the staff levels, right? Mm-hmm. I remember when I was working that, you know, before like working on the floor, one to seven was what the ratio was. But these numbers are doubling and sometimes tripling in th- these matters. So many nurses on the picket line this week said, they're, again, their main priority was working conditions, talking about the nursing, the, the being short-staffed all the time, and also just the crowded conditions that put patients at risk and lead them to leading to, you know, stress, errors, and then just burnout among the staff. So again, they negotiated 19.1%. We're over here in Ontario dying, trying, fighting oh. our government right now for less than 1%. Like we're in negotiations where they had this bill, Bill 124. We've talked about it many times on our podcast that, you know, this this bill it caps nurses' wages at less than 1%. Mm-hmm. And um, we're over here just like 19.1%. It is crazy, actually. And a lot of you might be wondering, how did the hospitals actually function when all the nurses walked off the job? And by the way, I really want to commend the New York Nurses Association for taking a stand, because what I had heard in a previous uh, interview was that they gave the hospitals a whole bunch of time. I think it was something like 10 business days, Yes, yeah, 10 business days to get their act together. They hadn't. And so they felt like the only other option was to go on strike. And so how did that actually happen? Like, what did that look like? Um, What? What they did was use higher cost temporary nursing services to provide care, transferring employees to take care of other non-medical nursing duties. They transferred 
a whole bunch of patients to other hospitals and they postponed some elective procedures. <laughs> this is the funniest part, Amy. <laughs> I was like, I was like, what are you laughing about? I can't about? even say this without laughing. Okay. <laughs> Doctors were cleaning and feeding patients. Cleaning and feeding patients, okay? I am totally amazed. I would love to see some video footage, although I know we can't due to privacy reasons. <laughs> but like things that were traditionally assigned to nursing assistants right. and nurses. I I just am flabbergasted at this. Um, ambulances were diverted from emergency rooms where nurses had walked out and staff from at least one outpatient clinic were being redirected to work at the hospitals. Well, you know, I mean, I think in an interdisciplinary team, everyone should help and participate. Thank you. Kudos to those physicians that stepped up. But again, that speaks to a greater problem, right? Mm -hmm. The fact that staffing ratios are out of control. And, you know, among some of the states, California is actually has a sweeping mandate of a nurse to patient ratio law. And these are one of the things that nurses in New York were asking for and what we're asking for. Mm -hmm. And this mandate actually says that for one nurse for every four patients in the emergency room. So for example, one nurse for every five patients on a regular inpatient medical floor and intensive care units, it's um, one or, two, or one nurse to one or two patients. Like, mm -hmm. The fact that it's legislated is is like it's chef's kiss, right? That's what we're looking for. That's what we want to have in terms of keeping patients and families safe. Because at the end of the day, when we think about this and we continue to talk about this, we're always talking about patient safety. I know a lot of people are like, oh, it's about money. It's about wages. It's You guys are crying, complaining. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No, we're not. We're trying to let the public know how scary things are, are in healthcare and how scary things are for people coming in to receive care. We have an idea of what the standard of care looks like and what quality care looks like when we're delivering that to our patients and families. Mm -hmm. And we know when we're not being able to give that to them. And that's the biggest, that's the part why we're out there. We're saying the things that we need to say, why these nurses actually went and took the step to go on strike. And the, the argument here is, well, you know, we're, we're afraid to, it's against the law. Well, I'm sure in New York, it was also against the law, mm -hmm. but they were taking a stand for their patients and their families. And the great thing about the strike, if I can say there was a great thing, is that it was taking place in Manhattan in New York City. So what it means is that this was super public. This was super visible, right? This was a major, two major downtown hospitals mm -hmm. that went on strike. And I have to say that I'm pretty proud of what they did. And just going back to what you said about patient ratios, if I was a patient in the hospital, I wouldn't want to be one of 30 patients and only have one overworked nurse who's frantically trying to get just the basic tasks done. I would want to know that I have her attention um, as much as possible. And I think the other thing is people don't realize that California is really only the one of one of the only states I know mm -hmm. that has legislation. I really wish that other states, other provinces would get on board. And I actually kind of wondered if this um, legislation was being upheld. So a couple of weeks ago, I put out a tweet and I was saying, hey, like I've heard I actually did hear from a nurse that, you know, that this um, patient ratio is a joke. And I'm like, is this? And then people commented. And you know what they said? They're like, no, it actually, for the most part, it does happen. Like they protect these ratios. Wow, and I'm good. like, that's great because I'm always thinking negatively. Like I try not to. I'm like, is this really happening? <laughs> Debbie Downer, I'm always, I'm always questioning <laughs> what, what I read. What are you? <laughs> I'm always questioning what I read. But I was surprised that the majority of the people that commented who live and work in California said, no, this by and far does happen. Like there are some cases where I think, um, not 100% of the time, but they're saying that it works and it's it's effective legislation. Yeah, I mean, pull in camera number two. 
What do we need here in Canada and what we need across the states? We need safe patient, patient ratios. ratios. So the other thing that I think that we need to touch on too, and I think you've actually mentioned it in the top of the episode, was all these unfilled nursing positions. Mm-hmm. Like right now here in Ontario, I think the Ontario Nurses Association said that there's something like 25,000 positions that are unfilled. Well, this is very similar to what was happening in New York. So in the striking hospitals, hundreds of unfilled nursing jobs compounded the problem. At Montefiore, union officials said that there were over 700 open nursing slots and 3,500 working nurses. And then at Mount Sinai, there were about 500 open positions and 3,600 working nurses. You can't fix a problem if a part of the problem is that there aren't people to do the work. Or again, I even heard that there were that some of the nurses were saying they're like intentionally not hiring people to do this work. Like it's it's insane when we think about like the managerial and the leadership teams knowing that, mm-hmm. oh yeah, um everyone's crunched at the bottom, but our numbers look really, really good at the top. And that is a huge concern for me because again, healthcare should be about people. It should be about um, out, better healthcare outcomes. And it's also about the workforce. Could you imagine the morale? Like we're nurses, mm-hmm. the morale it was when we worked, when we were short and imagine that being compounded three or two times. Like this is, a, this we are in a state of crisis and it's not being paid attention to. So these nurses in New York did the right thing by all, by my means of taking actions into their own hands and striking for patients and families again. Yeah, and if you think about from a profit perspective, if we're saying that, oh, we're just going to keep cutting and cutting and cutting, look, the nurses managed to do the work, we got by, so let's not bother hiring more nurses. But meanwhile, if you're a nurse working on the floor, you are completely burned out and exhausted. And you did this work with the thinking that, you know, things would get better. But instead, the management has taken the stance that maybe we're going to put profits over people, we're not going to hire because they made it work, they managed. And this is what led to the problem. And I think across the world, nurses are really looking to provide safe care. Mm-hmm. Yes, pay is a part of it. But at the end of the day, if we could all have full staffing, <laughs> full, full staffing. What is that? Yes, but we need it. Full Safe staffing. patient ratios. That is really what we want at the end of the day. And I just want to go over now um, what happened at the end of the strike. So we mentioned that um, nurses started the strike on a Monday. It was resolved in the wee hours of the morning on a Thursday. Mm-hmm. I believe it was 1 a.m. Mm-hmm. So what they got was a 19%, sorry, 19.1% wage increase, which actually meant at least $51,000 extra per nurse. Like I said, chef's kiss, right? (laughs) Um, Creation of more than 170 new nursing positions. So this looks like not quite the 500 they were asking for. Right. Still some new nursing positions. Lifetime health coverage, which is something I don't really know about being in Canada, but in the States. Sounds like it's a good thing. This is a big deal. Um. This is a quote, uh, quote unquote, significantly more nurses in the ER. So uh, I think that's yet to be determined. And then um, at Mount Sinai, it also included uh, the same raises, so the 19%, and also staffing ratios for the first time in all inpatient units with an enforcement mechanism. Right. Putting that legislation in, like. Do a little. And again, we have to credit the union leader. Strong unions present results. And I I do want to play a quick clip from CNN where they were speaking to the union leader about why the strike happened and, you know, why they did what they need to do. From the beginning of a negotiation, it was never about wages. It was always about safe patient care. And Mount Sinai know that 
what we need from them is proper nurse to patient ratios is proper enforcement for staffing and um it's you know it's really something to hear that all they focus on is wages as nurses when we go to work we want to provide safe quality care to our patients at this stage we do not have that commitment from Mount Sinai uh, Medical Center as well as Montefiore Medical Center. That is one of the reasons that we are where we are right now. You, you mentioned the nurse to patient ratio, which we know is crucial to these negotiations. The number of vacancies, as we understand it, have been high throughout the pandemic, you know, going back two, three years now. And, and I wonder, is it difficult to fill these positions? Is that one of the issues? Well, that is our concern. Mm -hmm. Our concern, we would like to have a fair contract where we could attract, where we could really attract and retain great nurses. If you have to go to work in a condition where on a daily, daily that you have to work short, you are asked to care for 20 patients in the emergency room where the ratio should be three. So a lot of our nurses have walked away from the profession just because they are tired of the abuse. They are tired of not able to deliver safe proper care for our patients. Last month, I know you also accused hospital management of purposely leaving some of these positions unfilled. Why would they leave those unfilled? We, we've been working in those conditions way before the pandemic. And after the pandemic, management decided to freeze a lot of these positions when they never posted the position. You look at a place at Montefiore Medical Center, they have over 710 positions open. Mount Sinai, 500 positions open. Nurses will not want to work every day and have to carry three times the amount of the load. After a while, it's not only physically toxic, but it's mentally toxic. And we want to be able to deliver patient care. And the meanwhile, this hospital made a lot of profits. The CEO of those two hospitals have made the seven figure over the past couple of years. And what we asking them is to invest in our communities, invest into the nursing, into the nurses, so we could deliver safe patient care to our patients. Our communities deserve better. New Yorkers deserve better. Are you worried, uh, for instance, right now, we're showing a list of things that have to happen during this strike, including babies transferred from uh, in, native, natal intensive care units, cancer patients have to move to find their treatment elsewhere. Are you worried about the impact on patients while the strike, strike continues? The hospital management have created the crisis. We gave them a 10 day notice on December 30th. The reason we gave them the 10 days was a, we were giving them the opportunity to either fix the problem by coming to the table and negotiate a fair contract or make proper arrangement. The fact that management decided not to come to the table and have a fair contract, they have failed the community. They have failed the patients. Okay, so basically, you know, what I think was really impactful from this agreement was that this agreement marked the first time the hospital had agreed to actual nurse patient ratios in the emergency department. Right. Um, these ratios are supposed to match what was happening upstairs, which would vary based on uh, patient needs. Um, and I think obviously nurses will need to vote to approve the deal before it's finalized. But I think this is definitely a step in the right direction. And this will really allow patients to receive better care ultimately. Yeah. I mean, 
I can't say or speak any more highly of these nurses. I think that they are great role models. I don't remember talking about striking in nursing school. I don't remember having these conversations about, you know, what happens when our governments aren't doing what's in the best interest of patients and families. I don't remember any of these conversations. And then I know it's like saying strike is like a bad word. I remember even us talking about it on previous episodes about, you know, what 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 are our legislation? What can we do? What can we not do? And people kind of getting mad at us on Twitter and various different social media platforms being like, well, you can't do it. It's just you you can't do it because it's against the law. Well, sometimes people have to do things against the law to protect patients and families. And I think these New York nurses did a fine job. And again, like we said, even just before we, we rolled that clip, strong union. Their, their union leader and their union groups were powerful. They're like, you know what? We're tired of our nurses being stressed mm-hmm. out. We're tired of our nurses not having an opportunity to eat. We're tired of, you know, the fact that they can't even go to the bathroom. Like things things that people take for granted, right? I think mm-hmm. that, you know, when you work a regular nine to five, you don't worry about whether you're going to have your 15 minutes to get your coffee snack or whether you're going to mm-hmm. go to the bathroom. When you're in healthcare, you just can't. When you have 15 or 20 patients that you're rushing from room to room to room, you don't have the time to use the bathroom. Mm-hmm. I remember many times holding my bladder to the point where I ended up having kidney stones. Like these are things that people don't talk about in terms of the healthcare issues that happens to nurses and other people in healthcare when they don't take care of themselves. So again, it's about making sure that we're doing what is in the interest of patients and families and then using our voices to say things aren't looking good. We need to make a change in the way that we do things. And I'm so proud of these nurses for doing that. Yeah, I think you touched on an important point is that nurses always put themselves last. Yeah. So when you mentioned the bladder thing, right, it's like you got to get all the patient care done. And then maybe just maybe you can get to the bathroom before the end of your right. shift. Um, and you know, like half the stuff we talk about on this podcast, I never learned about or talked about in nursing school. Yeah. And I feel like as women, as nurses, as people of color, we go through our lives being told you can't do this you can't do that you need to ask permission to do stuff well that time has come and gone and we're in a state of healthcare right now where we no longer need to ask for permission we're not going to take no for an answer we need to do what we need to do to you know be able to work in safe conditions be able to provide safe patient care this is something that we shouldn't have to do but unfortunately we're in the state and if the new york nurses can do it and see results i think this can happen in other places too. I wholeheartedly agree. I think that's exactly what we kind of want people to take away from this. I think people should start really thinking very consciously about what's happening with our healthcare system, with what's happening with nursing as a profession. I am very concerned what's happening here in Ontario. I know we talk about, we look to the States and sometimes go, oh, when we talk about their healthcare system, but we're moving in that a similar direction. We'll probably talk about it in another episode in relation to privatization, but it's Mm -hmm. coming here as well. And we should concern ourselves as nurses as we are also healthcare advocates. I think that nursing doesn't stop at the bedside. When you finish your job and your care with the patient, it doesn't end when you leave the room. Mm -hmm. It actually still continues in terms of understanding what's happening in healthcare policy, understanding what's happening at the government level, understanding what's happening within your communities. And I really want people particularly nurses and other healthcare folks to be involved. Know what your MPPs and your locals are saying. I know these New York nurses were in talks with many politicians and politicians were like saying, yes, this is something that we need. We need to strengthen our, our cause by reaching out to those politicians. 
to help them spread our message so other people understand what's happening. And again, like I said, nursing does not end at the bedside and advocacy should be something that all nurses take up because again, I've said this time and time again, the focus is about seeing healthcare outcomes for all people. And we know that there are disparities. We know that there are disparities in the way that care is delivered. And if we don't use our voices and we don't actually be a part of that change, Mm -hmm. then we are a part of the system that continues to see that oppression. And you can't, you can't do anything if you don't want to be a part of the the movement for change. It's we're not, we can't be those nurses that are, that complain about everything Mm -hmm. and don't do anything. And these nurses in New York, Again, I take my hats off, my hat off to them because they did more for nursing than Florence Nightingale has done for nursing in thousands of years. Sorry. That's a whole other topic. <laughs> whole a whole other topic. Other topic. Um, so, you know, like you touched on something important, which is nurses are really great at looking after others. We're really great at advocating for patients. We need to take these skills and uh, translate them into advocating for ourselves and other fellow nurses. So we have that skill in us. We just need to apply it to ourselves. hundred um, percent. So what I think, like just some takeaways from what we learned from the strike, it did result in a good outcome. We saw strength in numbers and the, and the strength of not backing down um they use other hospitals agreements as a precedent so they're like hey these other seven hospitals negotiated a deal why couldn't we get the same deal um your voice makes a difference so don't think that you're just one person you are so much more than that even if you look at our podcast we've had you know thousands and thousands of people from all over the world listen i'm one person you're one person right i didn't think at the beginning this would you know turn into what it has and at the end of the day, the union was left with no choice. So they tried to exhaust every other um, option out there. It just wasn't happening. So I think that we talk a lot about how healthcare is really similar to the aviation industry, right? I saw a post recently that a flight couldn't take off because there weren't enough flight attendants. Mm-hmm. Why can't that happen when there's not enough nurses? Right. I mean, I think this is the way that we should be looking at healthcare, and we should be talking about the healthcare industry and looking to other industries and seeing what they do. And again, the airline industry has been time and time again, we've, we've used their industry in terms of even checklists, safety checklists, mm-hmm. but they're in operating rooms within the OR. So why can't we look to other professions to make our profession much safer? And the other point is, We aren't expendable, but we are treated like that all the time. And we have to know our worth. And these nurses knew their worth. And I think that, you know, again, we just continue to make changes, follow in their footsteps, use these precedents like you mentioned. I have one last question for you, Sarah. If there is only one thing that you can get out of those three things for nurses all around, what do you think would be your, your primary ask? In terms of the things that in they terms ask of for. the things that they ask for, nineteen nineteen point one percent safe staffing ratios or more nurses on the floor. You could only get one. I know it's so mean. Okay, <laughs> I have three words to say: safe. Sorry, safe patient ratios. Hundred <laughs> percent. That's exactly. <laughs> what I, I was like, you know what? I could actually leave the money if we had safe patient ratios. But again, they got pretty much it. They got it all. So I mm-hmm. think that's that's really great. Um, Anyways, thank you so much for listening to the Green Nurse Podcast. If you like what you heard, please rate and review us. And please hit that subscribe button on the YouTube channel. We're trying to be a little bit more innovative and talk to you a little bit more and show some of our personal side through YouTube and through our podcasting. Thanks for listening. Oh, Sarah, tell them where they can find us. You can find us. So if you normally listen to your podcast and you like to get it in audio format, you can listen to us on Apple, Spotify, Google, iHeartRadio, all the major podcast platforms. If you like watching YouTube, uh, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. We're going to be trying to put out some quality episodes bi-weekly. 
And uh, we'd love to hear your feedback on this episode. And if you have suggestions on topics to cover, please let us know. Absolutely. Thank you so much for listening. Take care.